the competitive 40k network presents art of war art of war strategy and tactics discussions with the best players on the planet now your host steve joll and the art of war coaches hey everybody welcome to another episode of art of war my name is Paul Murphy, joined by Nick Nanavati. Hello, Paul. How are you? Not too bad. And our special guest this weekend is Zach Point. Hello. Hey, Zach. Thanks for joining us. It is uh, it's my pleasure to be here. <laughs> yeah, fresh off your win at Adepticon. Yeah, it's a thrill. It really is. Uh, I can I, I can imagine. And you know, and we're going to talk about a tough list. Obviously, Harlequins is what you brought. Harlequins are mm-hmm. going to be the talk of the town probably for the next little bit. Uh, but you had to battle through some tough lists in tough competition at a world-class venue. Yeah, uh, a couple of Harlequin mirrors in there. I think I went through all all three of the other Harlequin light lists, uh, in addition to you know your classic Tau, your your classic uh, Custodes, and your less classic but still very fun you know Necrons in there. Uh, a lot of good good lists out there. Awesome. Well, in this episode, we're going to t- talk about you know uh, how the list works, what are the strengths and weaknesses, uh, you know what you, what you took in in, uh, in detail, and then there's going to be a part two after this. Uh, we're going to get more granular about you know how to take on specific matchups, uh, even you know down to some uh, very details about what you know people will see, and, and I'm hoping that people can glean from that maybe you know how to tackle this list uh, over the course of these two parts. Uh, but let's jump right into it. Well, I want well, it's really what we're going to do here today is deviate from our normal format. We do just break the list down in detail and focus mostly on the Harlequins because Harlequins are the newest, newest, coolest kids on the block, and they have a very straightforward, if I will, build. Of their seven data sheets in total, I think part of this episode and the next is going to be focused on how to tackle the problem from the perspective of the Harlequin opponents as well. So I'm very excited for that too. That sounds good. And who better to to talk about the weaknesses than someone who knows you know, all the strengths uh, and uh, knows how to play around some of these things that we've seen? Absolutely, I'm super excited for it. Zach, how are you tonight? I am fantastic. I'm I'm doing great. Awesome. I'm eager to get into it as well. So why don't we just start off with what is the menacing list that we keep referencing? What did you take to win Adepticon? Yeah. Uh, Harlequins are just just the best. Um, I mean that on like an emotional, personal level, because um, I'm a huge fan of, of the jank and they bring the jank. Uh, what's the, the critical difference, though, that makes them so ter- terrifying is that they bring the jank and they also bring some of the best shooting in the game. now. In fact, I would all just say the best shooting in the game. Uh, that's really just about the Void Weaver. No surprise there. Uh, they have seven data sheets, and one of them is really, really good, and you take as much of it as you can. Uh, you spend like eight, nine hundred points on Void Weavers, so like three squads of three Void Weavers. Uh, the rest of your list is is kind of just supporting that, um, and that really makes you the best directional shooting army that that's out there. So what is the whole list top to bottom, just to go through it? It's all on the same page. Yeah, so the... The, the first things first is the Void Weaver. Probably a little backwards to start with heavy support, but they are the backbone of the list. You take uh, you know, only, only so many data sheets in Harlequins. So the ones that are really good, you want to definitely take as many of these as you can. Uh, Void Weaver comes in three squads of three. Uh, that's like about half your list. You, you, you set like those eight, 900 points aside, and you can uh, almost guarantee that you're going to be if not dominant in every shooting matchup, at least very, very competitive. 
Each Void Weaver takes the, the Prismatic Cannon, which is your more generalist gun as opposed to teching specifically into vehicles. Uh, and you kind of just set those guys aside, and then the rest of your list you fill with as much jank as you physically can, uh, because that's that's the Harlequin way. And you start that really with uh, characters. Harlequins have some great characters. Step one, your your troop master, your HQ slot, he's your warlord, uh, by, by rules mandate. Uh, and he's really just here to punch stuff. Uh, and then flip around and, and get into crazy spots. Mostly you do that with the amazing warlord trait, Foot in the Future, which gives you a flat plus six inches to all of your charges, uh, and you know, lets you advance D3 plus three. Uh, the, the secret there, of course, is that because you're a Harlequin and you can move through intervening models and terrain, uh, this guy can just live in all the tiny little looks and crannies on his little 25 mil base uh, and be super annoying. He grabs the uh, Shagarax Rose Relic, which lets him uh, you know, punch a little bit harder, reroll wounds, be damage three, uh, and then you know, just to pile on some more damage, he gives him the Player of Light uh, Warlord trait. Harlequins can spend an extra CP and add an additional Warlord trait on, and it's worth in this case for extra attack, extra strength, uh, and just try and punch a little extra hard. He's, uh, he, he's not definitely the killiest character in the entire game. Um, having played Drakari in the past... Uh, I can tell you, you know, he doesn't hold a candle to to the likes of Drazar and the Succubus, but he does go really, really reliably far, and that is often just worth it. Um, he's he's my favorite. He's my personal favorite. Uh, then you have your Shadow Seer. She's just a support character, um, but she supports him in one critical and great way, which is she's got her Mirror Architect upgrade that gives her a six-inch aura of minus six inches range, so to speak, for other shooting attacks. Uh, six inches doesn't sound like a lot, but it's a very, very subtle and impactful thing just because, um, you know, like maybe minus one to hit or minus one to wound where you're decreasing the amount of shooting someone's doing by a little bit and you're becoming a little bit tankier. Range is all or nothing. And if you are just a little bit too far away and you can pre-measure that to make sure that's the case uh, and you can get six inches further, then you're just not being shot by a lot of guns. And that's just a, a night and day difference, uh, because if someone does really want to shoot you, they have to come way out uh, into the middle of the board a lot of the time. Uh, and that gives the Harlequin player a lot of counter options. That's her big thing. She, of course, has a couple other things. Shadowstone Relic just extends that range to a, a nine-inch aura uh, and makes her spells a little bit further in terrain, a further range, I think three inches. Uh, and she's got the Webway Ant spell, which... Let's her give a, a six-step feeling pain to all Harlequin models, not just the infantry or the core, uh, but the the vehicles as well, which is pretty amazing. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Mirror of Minds, which is a nice targetable smite that I don't believe requires a lot of sight, so she can just add on a couple mortal wounds there to, to um, finish things off. Uh, I can just keep keep running on the list. you got two more characters. One is your Solitaire. Uh, he is pretty much the same as the Troopmaster, uh, you know, once per game, he can blitz, go extra far, make a couple extra attacks. The big thing is that, like all Harlequin infantry, he ignores intervening models and terrain. Uh, and he's on the, the cute little 25 mil base, so he can get into all sorts of nooks and crannies. Uh, he has no no upgrades. He's just just a, a cheap, annoying guy. Of course, he has uh, his inbuilt 3-plus invulnerable save, which uh, can spike to make him basically indestructible. Um, or sometimes he just dies immediately. You never really know, but uh, they your opponent can't always count on him dying regularly. You have to put more into him than really you want to to make sure he goes down. Um, and then the, the Death Jester, who is 
uh, I think Nick's personal favorite and uh, really close to my heart too. Jeff the Dester, as I call it. Jeff the Dester. Putting this on the table, like how important it is terrain? Like what are are some of the priorities early, early in the game? Um, You know, what are you thinking about when you're deploying? You know, how's that going for you normally? Yeah, the, the terrain is, is pretty impactful. Uh, I, that probably comes as a surprise for some people because the list goes really, really fast, right? The Void Weavers, Move 16, Auto Advance 6 to go 22 inches in the light Sadith. And forgive me if I'm saying that wrong. I think Sadith is right, but I, I'm not 100% sure. We'll go with that. Yeah, and the light Sadith, you can uh, advance and fire weapons as if you remain stationary. So they can move 22 and fire all their guns, uh, which really lets you get an angle almost anywhere on most boards. But the catch to that is you have to go pretty far out there. And also on really dense boards, you can still block line of sight. I'm talking about like GW standard boards. Um, I'm a huge fan of the GW standard terrain. It is uh, a big, big difference maker in making like direct shooting armies a little bit more, um, get a little more counterplay to them. Um, and with those specifically, terrain makes a big difference. So you have to kind of play more defensively when you're playing on GW terrain, that kind of thing, or really dense terrain. So, do you have some? Oh, so go, ahead. go ahead, Nick. Uh, so, do you have any secondary selections, like your go-to's? Do you have any that you keep in your back pocket that are uh, you feel like you can confidently go into any game and get some points with? Yeah, the you got your classic, you know, engage or stranglehold. Um, basically, the only difference here is. If you're into uh, like a shooting list that mostly is trying to shoot you off the objectives, that's when you want to go um, stranglehold because generally speaking, those lists aren't going to like just plop onto objectives with a ton of opsec and be hard to remove. Uh, and you want to be controlling the board anyways against those lists. And then against the really tough melee matchups, that's when you, you flip it around, right? Into a matchup that has really beefy guys standing on the objective, just meleeing anyone who gets in, into range of them. Uh, that's when you, you don't, you don't want to deal with them. Uh, and you can just kind of skirt the corners of the board uh, and grab and gauge. That one's pretty easy. The other ones actually retrieve knock wound data. Uh, everyone obviously is is decent at this, right? You can pay a CP and, and strategic reserve something and try and uh, get one of the opponent's table quarters. Your two table quarters should be pretty easy. But Harlequins are actually better than this, better at this than than most other people because there's a one CP Harlequin stratagem to place a unit into reserves kind of whatever you want throughout the game and have them come in um, like in the following turn. And that lets you wait until the end of the game, you know, on turn four or five when there's just not enough models left alive to screen everywhere and drop guys into the back of someone's deployment zone or to score. That one's also really reliable. Uh, the last one is to the last, which in most matchups you're going to want to take just because those Void Weavers... Uh, they they are tanky. Uh, and maybe Valuable actually would talk a little bit about the math behind the Wolver and why they're so tanky. Is that something that we'd want to discuss? Yeah, uh, I, it mean, does. I, I want to first figure out how this army plays on the table. I know we're talking about terrain and secondaries and all that really does factor in, of course, because you're making your whole game plan based on those things. But strategically, this army can, moves 22 inches a turn. It's really good in combat. It's really good at shooting. It's got these crazy characters. How do you put it all together? Yeah. Yeah, I think with a lot of really mobile armies, it's easy to be like crippled by choice because you can go anywhere and do anything. Uh, through your access to the last, being really good at retrieve knockman data and then kind of this engaged stranglehold option, you are actually very defensive, right? You score most of your points by knockman dataing your cable cords in the beginning and then kind of 
strategic reserving to get theirs at the end. Uh, to last, you just have to stay alive. So there's, there's nothing special there. Uh, and then you kind of torpedo out one little janky five-man squad of dudes to either get stranglehold or run out and um, you know tie out the primary, make it as even as possible, and then score and engage. Uh, and through that, you can hopefully set up a situation where, like, kind of by the numbers, you're always going to win on um, on points. And that gives you a lot of power, right? Because in the scoreboard, they kind of have to come to you. You have these really, really good directional shooting elements. So they have to expose themselves if they really want to play the game. And you have all this mobility. So if you want to, you can kind of run out and grab angles um, if they're trying to get cheeky with you and you know hide one guy behind a piece of terrain on an objective. Yeah, so it sounds like it, it has a lot of raw power just baked into it. I know we all have crunched the numbers on the Harlequins. We have some Harlequin Math Hammer stuff coming up in the worm coming up next week. But let me tell you this. They're just really good at the math portion of the game. They're also mm-hmm. very fast and they're very tough. So how do you beat them? Maybe the strategy, but also strategically you're saying that they are they start the game off by winning by having really good secondary <laughs> power built in and primary controls with the, the obsec troop missiles that you throw onto your opponent's objectives to contest their, their points. Is that basically the idea? Yeah, that that is it. Um, and, I, and I think I skipped over it, but the um, the the troop portion of the the list is just uh, six like fairly small troop squads that can go into four transports. Two of them are just like just dudes with blades that, that just are the cheapest possible upset guys that can run out and take a point. Uh, you got two squads that are decent in melee, and they have um, two melee weapons. Right, they have a an embrace and a kiss, so they can get access to the stratagems that do a couple of mortal wounds. Uh, and then you have two squads that have um, a couple of pistols, right? Fusion pistols, and then a few neuro disruptors. Fusion pistols just to add a little bit of extra, you know, D6 plus two damage. Neuro disruptors for that last one or two mortal wounds you need to, to finish something off. Uh, and then, of course, the last thing that is notable about all the troops is that the lead player, the sergeant in the squads, never have an upgrade. Um, and this is because those sergeants don't have higher leadership or more attacks. They just have the extra wound. So they... What that basically means is there's a secret rule on the data sheet of all the troops that says the first one damage weapon that you fail a save on does no damage uh, because the leader always just takes that one hit and that makes them just a little tankier combined with the fact that they have a four up and vulnerable save means that randomly one like silly guy just happens to survive when you fire a bunch of bolters at them or something uh, and they can hold on to points. So that's what makes them really valuable. Another classic Devastator Marine Sergeant scenario where the Sergeant's the first one to die. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Exactly. They're very, very, uh, very courageous, those lead players. You sign up to be a lead player and they just stamp you for death. I don't think we covered your Death Jester either. I, I, I can't spend enough time on Jeff the Dester <laughs> here because he's just absolutely <laughs> insanity. And I would like to clarify that Jeff the Dester, the one that you get all the special stuff to that you've taken, Zach, is very different from your standard stock data sheet, Jeff Dester. So what is the special deal with this guy? Yeah, it's all about Harvester of Torment, which is um, a pivotal role points upgrade you can give for the Death Jester. And that means sixes to hit with his you know, three-shot uh, Shrieker Cannon. Those score three additional hits. So a six is four total hits. Uh, that is pretty cool on its own, but you combo that with the Favor of Shagrak uh, Warlord trait, which means that once per turn, you can make one die roll, per se. A six, that could be hit roll, could be you know a, a save. Um, generally speaking, it's going to be a hit roll in order to make it a six and get on the exploding sixes. So you can roll your three dice, try and get a six naturally, which is decently likely, uh, and then make one other die, maybe the one miss you roll, a six, 
So you're generally getting either, you know, uh, the the one six for the three additional hits, so uh, plus your two other shots, so you know six hits. Or if you get an additional hit in there, that's a, a six. You're looking at I think nine hits. If I can do math, doing math it, kind of live is always a mistake, but uh, I think nine hits if I if I did that correctly. Uh, and that is pretty good because then you're looking at all you have to do is wound with a strength six weapon. Um, Death gesture ignores uh, the lookout sir rule, so you can target characters that aren't body guarded. Most characters are body guarded, but occasionally you'll find one that aren't that isn't. Um, and that lets him do such consistent damage. Yeah, for a seventy point character, he's absolutely insane. So mm-hmm. correct me if I'm wrong. You had six troops, five star weavers, which the transport nine mm-hmm. weavers and four characters. That was the whole thing. That's right. Yep. All right. So it looks very similar to all the other standard Harlequin lists. There's one question that I guess pretty much every Harlequin player has to ask themselves. Um, what type of Sadith are we going for? You touched on light, giving that extra aura range on your Shadow Seer was really nice. They also have a really good strat. But I know in a lot of other metas around the world, Dark has been doing really well. What is your thought process there? I I really like all three of them, actually. They're all, all, they're all excellent. <laughs> uh, rarely does a book come out and every option is like pretty good. But light, I think, is really the option to go with, at least right now. Uh, because one... It gives you the ability to kind of advance and fire as if you were stationary. So it gives you more ability than you would otherwise have. Two, that means that you can take these fusion pistols uh, and be able to advance and fire them from within your boats. And that is just kind of an, an added ac- access to damage that the other saves don't get. Uh, and then, of course, the, the final element of light, which is that uh, all shooting attacks, all range attacks coming you know, more than 12 inches away can never hit on something better than a four. Uh, and that really plays into the reliability defensively of, of Voodoovers in general and, and all um, all Harlequins, because if you hit on a four and someone has a four of invul save, the very best you can hope to do is have a quarter of your shots land, right? Like, you know, half of the miss and then half of the half fail to to get you know go through the save. Um, and then they're looking at a, a, a quarter damage. And that's if you've already wounded and assuming there's you know, no rerolls in there on the save. Um, which, of course, you know, are something Harlequins can do. They get these rerolls they can use on their saves, um, which means that just just by basic math, very few of your actual shots are going to land, especially if they're, you know, big uh, multi-damage shots that you're just trying to hope you score a four, and then you roll, a, you know, a two or a three to wound, and then another four, and then maybe a reroll on a four. Um, those kind of traditional weapons uh, are really, really going to be inefficient into uh, the, the Harlequin body in general. Right, and especially when you combine it with luck dice, which I imagine you often use for saves, or do you use it for other stuff as well? Yeah, unless the world would end uh, if you didn't, you know, get this one hit or this one wound, saves every single time. Uh, just no again, temptation to reroll a one on a death gesture or like extra poke with your solitaire or a void weaver shot. Yeah, don't don't do it. It's never worth it. Uh, it unless again, like the game hinges on this thing happening. Uh, just the the math behind it. Says like when you're thinking about rerolling things, uh, every step down the the hit wound save roll damage roll you get becomes more valuable, right? Like if I reroll a wound, uh, let's say I wound on a two and I roll a one, and I'm like, oh shoot! Uh, if I reroll that, I need to pass a two up, and then you know my opponent makes a save. Like let's say it's a four up save, uh, so it's, I had to pass a two up and then a four up. If I'm saving that for my own save, all I have to do is pass a four up, which is you know mathematically better. So it's really challenging to find an instance where you're going to get more value than just re-rolling as many high damage shots as you can into your vehicles 
or troops if you have to, uh, so that those you know melta missiles and dark lances don't go through. Now, I noticed in the Adepticon finals, which I had the pleasure of commentating that day, um, mm-hmm. you played a mirror match. It was very aggressive in nature. It was Harlequins versus Harlequins, and you were going second. Matt Robertson, your opponent, was going first and was shooting you with all of his Void Weavers, all of his transports, turn one, because it was like that. Um, and he was using all of his Luck Dice rerolls on wounds or something to try to force mm-hmm. critical damage through so that your return fire could not be enough. Do you think in some sort of esoteric scenario like that, that makes any sense or not really? Uh, not for not for me. I think Matt actually played an excellent game. Uh, and I think he did the best he could to try and deal that like crippling alpha damage. Um, for for my money, saves are, are almost always better. Uh, and that will really help you win the attritional game because, you know, you just get more material left alive at the end of the day. I mean, I know I speak from the Warham school of keep your stuff alive so you have more stuff to do things with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and generally, I find that to be typically better is putting your resources in speed and defense rather than offense. But to each their own with that one. I want to uh, transition the conversation a bit into seeing what we can do against this Harlequin meta. Um, Paul, were there any questions you wanted to ask before I jump ahead about how this list operates and what it's trying to do? No, I think that's I think that's good. I think we got an idea of maybe you know where to focus your priorities on, uh, and now where's everyone else going to focus their priorities? Yeah, uh, this this is a great question because there's actually a lot you can do. I think that it's easy to look at the data sheets and the math behind. You know, if you shoot a missile at a Harlequin, uh, math says it's not going to go very well, uh, and that is true. But there are some critical weaknesses that Harlequins in general have. The first and foremost is that they just don't have a lot of wounds. Um, even the vehicles have six. Like, that's not a ton. Uh, the dudes themselves are all one wound, except for the sergeants. Um, even the characters aren't, aren't that healthy. They're really relying on those minuses to hit and their infill saves. So anything that bypasses any of those effects are going to make a big deal. So, like, number one, mortal wounds. Easy peasy. If you are, you know, a thousand suns list and you can put out 18 mortal wounds, that kills an entire Void Weaver squad. 270 points, gone. Um, the mortal wounds are, are absolutely probably the easiest and most common way to camp, uh, to counter these guys, right? Like if you're a Crusher Stampede player and you, you know, use Breakthrough to charge something and do mortal wounds when you charge, uh, generally speaking, that stratagem does six mortal wounds. That just kills a vehicle. Just dead. And then you get to make attacks. Bonus. Um, mortal wounds are the answer typically to harlequins the other thing is volume of fire right i said like those single shot missile launcher type weapons are really going to struggle uh the rerolls stopped being effective into high volume for pinball saves in general right just stopping effective into low ap high volume shooting so i'm talking about your you know your heavy bolters profile your scatter lasers your whatever it might be um assault honestly, other shuriken cannons what do you say assault cannons Yes, assault cannons, exactly. Um, just strength six things. Strength six is also your break point, because at that point you're wounding the vehicles on threes and the the, the infantry on twos. So strength six is really where you want to be uh, as much as you can. Just dudes that hit on you know threes and just roll as many as you can. Don't rely on rerolls, because of course the vehicles uh, do turn off rerolls to hit. So just as many dudes as possible doing that will start to chunk through them um, attritionally. I think generally as guidelines, these are great ideas. You're spamming melta guns and multi-meltas and dark lances and high 
D3 plus 3 damage weapon shots has been such a reliable strategy all edition, especially when baked in rerolls exist everywhere. And Harlequin's <clears throat> coming in as the natural counter to that. I have a 4 up invo, which I can just choose to reroll with Luck Dice against your super powerful 8 damage melt shot. Tried to, taking 6 2 damage shots instead. Same effect, but only one reroll to get through, and you're more likely to find a consistency through that invo 4 up invo. Um, mm -hmm. Just as likely it is for you to get it through, it, your opponent is likely to pass it. So um, putting all your eggs in one basket is an unreliable strategy at best. And then I, I want to couple that mortal wound idea with a little bit further. If you have any access to ignore invulnerable saves, Harlequin yes. oh. and Lord don't have armor saves. So things like in Crusher Stampede, that know there's a flying hive tyrant with the relic bone sword that ignores invuls. I've been on the receiving end of him using the... The breakthrough stratagem for mortal wounds on the charge, followed by fighting twice with real wounds, picking up three void weavers and two star weavers in one turn. So you have to be very careful against that kind of stuff. Death hex is great. A weird null zone play could exist, I guess. Uh, anything you have to get creative to solve Harlequins. What we've been trying produces a ninety-six percent win rate. That's clearly not going to work. So we <laughs> have to really think outside the box here. Uh, and I, I will definitely warn against. Relying too much on the stats. I am a, a market researcher by trade, so I, whenever I see uh, uh, abuse statistics, I, I, I always get concerned um, because those win rates are all into. I think the, the the phrase I saw somewhere online is like a thunder hammer in a meta full of nails. Uh, all those stats are into what's traditionally worked, right? Into custodies, into tab, which are you know big damage guns that blow up battle suits and blow up custody, you know, dudes. Um, that kind of stuff is just really ineffective into Harlequins, which is something they really benefit from. Um, so bringing, yeah, those ignore invul saves, uh, the mortal wounds, and just volume will make a, a big difference. Uh, the to, to Nick's point there, the I mentioned the solitaire in most matchups is just kind of an annoying dude with a three-up invul save. Um, but the, actually, particularly in, in this list, the reason he's there is that there is exactly one way in the Harlequin book to ignore Invulsaves, the stratagem that the Solitaire has access to. Um, and his main mission in the Harlequin mirror match is to get that stratagem and just blow things up. I think you'll you'll see this if you watch the finals as well. Um, the Solitaire just on his own just blew up three Voidweavers. And then uh, Matt, my opponent, Solitaire, came in and blew up two Voidweavers with absolute ease. Uh, so ignoring Invulsaves just turns off what a lot of the Harlequin tricks are about. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. If you can find a way to work it into your list. Mm -hmm. Couldn't agree more. Uh, I'm digging that. So with, you know, I guess we talked about ways to uh, ignore invulnerables or reduce invulnerables, like you just mentioned, like uh, Null Zone, you know, Death Hex. Uh, there's there's other things even in, in the Eldari. Uh, do, I mean, do you see this being, at least in the short term, you know, Codex Eldari on Codex Eldari? Yeah, uh, definitely... Uh, of the things that can do really well into Harlequins, Codex Eldari kind of is one of those obvious things because they also have high volume shooting, right? There's scatter lasers and shuriken cans. Um, in a in a weird world, the 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 elves have built the weapons to kill the elves, so that's kind of sad. Um, but the other thing I do want to talk about is defensively, the shooting out of Void Weavers is very good, um, and shuriken cannons in general are high damage, but they're actually not the most damaging thing out there. And it's very possible to kind of weather a lot of the shooting if you're set up right. The big thing to think about is trying to find a way to ignore AP1. Uh, 
a big part of the, the, the damage of the list is Shurikens. And Shurikens are generally speaking just AP1. Uh, and if you are one of the factions that have ignore AP1 and 2 or you know reduce AP, uh, similarly, Harlequins have no ability to ignore cover saves, then you can kind of ignore that AP1, stand in a cover area, and then all of a sudden you become very challenging to remove. Because you know, a 270-point Voidweaver squad has a bunch of these Shuriken cannons and then a handful of Prismatic cannons, only six shots. Six shots out of the Voidweaver you know, for 270 points is not that much, honestly. And they do do a lot of damage that they can land. But just as, you know, Harlequins can never be re-rolled against in their vehicles, they also never invented how to re-roll themselves. So they're not going to be that efficient at hitting you, especially if you can also stack on a minus one to hit. Um, and all of a sudden, you can use those two things, ignore AP1 and minus one to hit, if you can get it on your own side, to become very challenging for them to actually do damage back to you. And that gives you a lot more play. We've talked a lot about it, the strategies and, and how to use it when you enact some of this stuff. Is there uh, like a standout combo? Like something you should always keep some uh, command points or luck dice or uh, something in your back pocket to use uh, that you you uh, find yourself relying on in most matchups. Uh, it, I think for my money, there's the really really fun one, the janky one. Of course, is anytime a Harlequin um, a Harlequin infantry finishes a combat and goes to consolidate, you can spend one CP to get in the transport. Uh, and this is how you can just be super, super annoying and like launch your troop master out into the, the winds and a transport can advance and follow him. Uh, and then you can do his melee and then hop back in the transport. That's really awesome. That's so, how's that work out? Uh, like break, break that whole thing down. Yeah. Cause the, the troop master itself can hop out of a transport. So that gives him kind of three inches to deploy out there. He moves eight advances D three plus three. So generally speaking, average of, of five extra inches there. Uh, so going, I think, um, at that point, uh, 16, if I'm doing the math right, from the transport itself. And then he charges. With plus six to charge, he can basically always make a 12-inch charge. Uh, so that sends him really, really far. Go into something valuable, preferably a character, maybe you know a vehicle with this damage three weapon. Uh, and then the transport just advances uh, after him, goes 22 advancing. So it can just stand right next to him. He goes, he punches the thing, he spend one CP, he gets in the transport, preferably one with a couple of troops in it. And then if you were doing this all, you know, on an objective that you were trying to clear, when you go to try and retaliate, you have to kill the transport first before you can get to him. And then you have to kill the five random dudes that pop out before you get to him. And then when you shoot him, you can kind of save your rerolls for that four-up invulnerable save. And more often than not care to admit, you're going to end up with a troop master with like two wounds left standing on a point ready to do the whole thing again. That's so I like annoying. That. I hate that I the Harlequins are janky on top of being so mathematically superior. Um, to bring it back to your last point, Zach, about cover, one of the things that I find makes Harlequins so potent against the entire game is that they have such great firepower against any profile. The Void Viewer Prism Cannon has the super two dark land shots or prism shots that are high strength, high AP, high damage. And then there's the blast profile, which is medium strength, good AP, lots of shots. And then the shuriken cannon is so versatile, medium strength, multi-damage, AP, rending. Is there any profile in the game you've encountered that's challenging for you to kill? Yeah, I think this may be a hot take, but um, the I think probably the best thing I would put out there are things like just a regular custodian in cover is actually shockingly challenging. Uh, if you get a Vexilla Magnifica, I think it is, around them, right, 
the shuriken cannons are going to, generally speaking, they're getting a two-up save into that, or if the custodian has a, a I think, a presidium shield, whatever it's uh, pronounced, the two-up saves are really challenging to be efficient into, and you're just looking at your six shots from your beam cannons, your, your prismatic cannons, and now you're hitting on four, right? Only three of them are hitting, um, and then you have to try and get through their four-up invul save. All of a sudden, your three-man Voidweaver squad kills one custodian, uh, and, you know, custodian's not, not nothing, but um, generally speaking, they cost like 50 points for a Sagittarium or something. Uh, and 270 points shooting into a unit has to do more than just 50 points of damage. That can be really challenging. Uh, that's probably the profile I point to most. Just dudes in power armor in cover, honestly. Dudes dudes in cover in power armor. That is the magic answer to the Harlequin Menace. Are you serious right now? <laughs> I, I think so, honestly. Uh, like, uh, th- there's no better example than, like, a Virtus Praetor, really common, great model, super cheap, has a melted missile so it can like blow things up uh, compared to like a, uh, a Sagittarium. Much cheaper, you know, it just has its like big heavy bolter gun. But when you think make that comparison, the Sagittarium can stand in cover, get his two up save, uh, and fire back a volume of shots and is much cheaper. And if you just have a bunch of those guys, it's all of a sudden a lot less efficient trying to get them because, uh, you know, Two up saves are two up saves, and it's very challenging to get enough random shots off of shurikens to kill them. You will definitely make some progress, but then when they fire back, right, they have the the volume of fire to do some real damage because just high volume strength or damage too. It's pretty good. So I think that's yeah. I think dudes in power armor. So uh, with that story. said, though, I hear you. There's dudes in power armor, or even better, terminator armor, or female paint, or something that can really blunt the effectiveness of the shuriken cannon and can slow it down. But then mm-hmm. doesn't someone just go into prism cannon mode and just be like 3D3 strength 5 AP3 shots into your face per tank? Yeah, and those are going to be very, very effective uh, for sure because they're AP3. Uh, generally speaking, dudes in power armor have the benefit of also being multi-wound. So you're, you'll make some progress there going going into the kind of the disperse shot. Uh, it's just not going to be super efficient. And again, especially if you can stack on that minus one to hit, Harlequins don't know how to re-roll a, a, a hit roll. So they don't have that like that in their data sheets. Um, so you can kind of even the playing field and be like, you know, you're hitting on fours, I'm hitting on fours, you have a four pinball save, I have, you know, if you're, you're AP3, uh, then you can maybe get them down to a lower save. Um, but even AP3, a, a dude in cover, right, I think a power armor guy is going to have a, a five-up save, a custodian will still have a four-up save, um, and all of a sudden you're kind of more on the same playing field, uh, and that can help a little bit, especially if you're cheaper. The way I look at look at it is Harlequins are so fast and they have tremendous shooting and redeploy with Phantasm and they're just going to be able to pick where they hit you, when they hit you, and that's just going to happen. Whether it's turn one or turn two, they're going to hit you first unless there's pretty much no terrain on the table and it's going to suck for you. So with that in mind, you have to build an army that can either through reserves Beta straight the Harlequins, so you know, I mean, get the Harlequins to come out, go kill whatever you've deployed, or damage whatever you deployed, go for what you've deployed, and then counter-strike with stuff coming in from reserve, or stuff getting out of transports, things the Harlequins physically could not attack on turn one. And then, Mm -hmm. or your other option is to be so tough you just don't care that the Harlequins are shooting you, or punching you. Which I didn't know if that existed. It's a genuine question I had. Um, I had a similar thought, dudes in power armor, but I, I just didn't feel like it was there. You really feel like it's there, though? Just mass, like, so like te- teleporting uh, infernal bolters. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I yeah, I think that it, it is there. Uh, 
I think it brings you up to a level where you can have a real game into Harlequins. Um, because you take the same stuff that's working into, you know, other folks, you're going to have very little chance, I think. Once you take, you know, high volume of dudes, and really it's all about volume, because Harlequins, for all of their cost effectiveness, are, are they don't have that many actual models in the actual army. They're a fairly elite army. Um, so if you can take more dudes, as many as you can, and make it challenging, then you can plop those guys on points, hopefully on cover on points, and start really, like, plinking things off uh, and make it challenging, because... Uh, if you're not winning on attrition, uh, and they have lots of guys that are obsec on objectives, the Harlequins melee are actually not that impressive. They have a couple of good characters, and then that's it. Um, and it can just take too long to kill you, uh, and you can kind of control the board. I have seen that be effective. It's actually in line with some thoughts I had. I was thinking for this episode about ways we could come up with answers to Harlequins, and especially in part two, what I would try um, try to talk through, which I'm very excited to get to now. Um, but some ideas I had were Black Templars or Iron Hands just trying to be durable yeah, exactly. through the Harlequins that feel a pain save, cover, use what you got. Um, you think there's you think there's validity there, basically? Yeah, one of the it wasn't actually out of Depticon, but in one of my test games, one of the actual hardest matchups I ran into, uh, if you believe it was, and hopefully maybe you can help me out with the name, uh, Sisters of Battle. They have a order that's ignore AP one and make AP two AP one. Valorous um, heart. Actually, John Lennon just did a podcast on the Art of War show, maybe two, three weeks ago, yeah. before we got Paul as our new host for the show, where he talked about how to build a, a sister's army to combat the new Eldar Tau Harlequin meta that we're doing. And he actually sat on the show and built a list on it. So check that out if you haven't. Super cool. But yeah, Valorous Heart Sisters, that's what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. And they like just people in power armor Um that ignore kind of AP one and stand in cover and have two of saves and they have access to, you know, they can get transhuman if they need to, there's a, a strategy that can do that for them. Uh, and then like their actual battle sisters are OPSEC uh, and it can be really challenging. Like if you put 20 sisters of battle or 10 sisters of battle on a point, they have their two of saves. I don't really have the resources to like, you know, like maybe old Harlequins did or Drukari did or other similar fast elf armies don't really have the resources to go in there and just punch you and take you off of it. Um, they have to do it in shooting, and that can give you a lot of play on the mission. So yeah, I think Black Templar, same deal. Nice. Okay, so I think we're on the same page about types of unit types that can survive Harlequin firepower being one or uh, numerous volume infantry with like good saves, basically. Something that the Harlequins, well, the Shuriken isn't super effective against, so you're really overstressing the prismatic cannons. And then you can focus on the Void Reavers and basically just tank the army. The problem with that, or just to keep troubleshooting down this rabbit hole, is that this army is definitely going to be slow. We're talking Valor's Heart Sisters walking around on foot, Black Templars standing around in cover. We're, we're not, Custody Sagittarium was the other example. We're not bringing up speed here. Do you think the fact that Harlequins can literally run circles around this army is too much of a problem? Uh, that is definitely a real problem, for sure. Um, that's something you have to really kind of build and counter around. When you're playing, I think, of a slower army, you generally want to fill the space, and this is why you bring lots of bodies if you can, um, and prevent people from being able to like really infiltrate your side of the board. Um, the the other thing, again, because it's a shooting army, the Harlequins are a shooting army, uh, that speed doesn't necessarily let them engage all the time because they're going to be shooting you whether you're, you're there or not. Um, ideally, they let them get angles into the right thing they want to shoot, and that's a real challenge. Uh, that's where, again, I recommend kind of GW standard terrain. It, it actually changes this matchup a lot, but um, 
generally speaking, I think if you bring enough bodies and then fill that space such that like a big old block of three void weavers couldn't land where they want to land, that'll get really annoying. Uh, and also force people to be close enough to you in order to kind of get the angle they want such that you can kind of go and, and charge them and touch the boats and uh, make it a challenge for them because uh, boats don't really want to be in melee. They, they don't do that much in melee. Uh, that can, I think, give you more play. Can you unpack that a bit? I think that that might be a little hard to follow. How do you prevent a void weaver that flies 22 inches uh, from moving where it wants to go? Or how do you actually get your opponent to move where you they you want them to go when they move 22 inches? Yeah, yeah, this is a big thing, I think, for all slow armies. Um, obviously, with like within 40k, Lester and Melee, you can't be within one inch of an enemy model, right? Gotta give them their personal space. Uh, if you're playing a slower army that has, you know, you're cheaper because you're slower and you have a lot of dudes, ideally, uh, you can fill up the space such that no, you know, it, window exists that is one inch away from all of your models. And that kind of lets you control where the faster player is allowed to even be. And Void Weavers come in these squads of three, so they're like they take up a lot of space. Um, they really need a big chunk of open space to stand somewhere. Uh, and if you're standing there, they can't be there. So you can, you know, really control um, of these incredibly fast models that someone's paying for the speed, ideally in the points. Uh, if you're slower, but you still block out the, that kind of zone, especially on an objective per se, like such that you know a void weaver couldn't even stand on the objective. That makes it such that the the speed that they're paying for, they don't get, um, and that's where you start to get more efficiency. Ideally, with you bringing lots of bodies. Yeah, I think that's a that's a really hard concept for people to grasp, but it, it's one that really is so critical to any energy you can get in the Harlequin match, right? Um, being able to slow them down just a little bit, make them have to go to an extreme angle to get line of sight to you, in which case you can counter strike. All of those things will carry you very far in the Harlequin match. Paul, how are you feeling with these Harlequins right now? Yeah, it's tough. You know, it's really tough. And I think what you kind of hit on in the early part of the show about how uh, the Harlequins play really well into what's hot last week. And and some of this insight, I think, is really going to uh, build the new hotness for next week. You know, I kind of, a uh, whole thing, I'm like, man, did everyone just forget Adeptus Mechanicus was, a, you know, was a thing? You know, which we haven't really talked about, but there's, I think there's some play there. Uh, and just hearing it, hearing it broken down and, 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 and the combos uh, making me think about, you know, ways to kind of attack my own personal army list. Yeah, very exciting. Um, and we're going to get into that, actually, in part two. So um, We are in part two, which will be coming up in just a bit here. Uh, we're going to have Zach and I and Paul troubleshoot. Uh, different ways armies can try to build lists to counter Harlequins, what tactics they can use, that kind of stuff. So instead of the normal show where we break down how Harlequins beat up all the other armies in the game, we they kind of already do that. That's a that's a known thing because they just shoot them or whatever Zach said with janky and mission play. Uh, <laughs> uh, but we're going to try to figure out what other people can do to try to stand up to this clownful menace. Um, Zach, was there any other thoughts you had for part one? I think uh, I'll, I'll leave it there. Harlequins are, are very scary, and I want to sugarcoat that, um, but there's definitely some things you can do. Okay, very excited to figure out exactly what those are and hopefully give everyone a glimmer of hope. Finally, I want to congratulate you, Zach, once again on your tremendous run through Depticon, defeating the Boy King himself in the semifinals and doing it as a War Room member. I truly couldn't be more proud. Paul, why don't you tell us a little bit about the War Room and why everyone should get in there? 
Uh, well, listen, if you like this kind of content, uh, make sure you like, share, and subscribe. You can do that either through the website, Art of War website, or on the YouTube channel to get access to the other podcasts like Unbroken uh, and Art of War Down Under. Uh, it's it's basically like a whole suite of things that you want to be a part of, or uh, this part uh you know, we run down some of the list itself, but then they, we're going to get even more granular, really up your game uh, on the other side of this. And I think you really want to be a part of it. Uh, also, hey, if you're out there, leave us some reviews. Five-star reviews are very helpful. So other people find this part of it and how other people might be inspired to find the next part. All right. Uh, so then uh, let's go ahead and wrap this up right now. Uh, Zach, stay with us, please, if you don't mind. Yeah, of course. And I also highly recommend the War the community, the content, all great. Thanks so much, everyone. We'll catch you next time. Like what you just listened to? Check out Art of War Down Under and Art of War Unbroken on the competitive 40K network. TheArtOfWar40K.com